I'd like to read to you the scripture today. We normally have scripture readers, but during the Advent season, we had a number of messages that went from all over, so you've seen scripture integrated. But this time, since we're going to focus on Mary's song, often called the Magnificat, from the Latin, one of the first words in there, um, I'd like to read you starting, though, at verse 39 of Luke chapter 1. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. You remember that Elizabeth was very old and miraculously was having the child who had become John the Baptist. And so she said, as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. And this is the Magnificat. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and to his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. Let's pray one more time. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word and its power. We thank you for your Holy Spirit who comes when we yield to you to explain it to us and to convict us and to apply it to our lives and to give us the power not only to be born again, to be saved and become your children, but also to become the image of Jesus, be transformed into the way he lives. Now speak through my words. May they bring out your truth. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The crew of a fast frigate was practicing the man overboard drill by rescuing a bright orange fluorescent dummy they named Oscar. The captain watched as the young lieutenant nervously stopped the ship, turned it, maneuvered into place. Unfortunately, he ran right over Oscar, the bright orange dummy, surveying the remains of Oscar scattered around the ship. The captain told the lieutenant, son, do me a favor. If I ever fall overboard, just drop anchor and I'll swim to you. <laughs> Jesus is called savior or rescuer. And Mary is talking about the one who has promised to come to her today. And we are going to look at what kind of rescue 
I will ensure you that Jesus is much more able than this newly announced lieutenant. We are looking at our series on hope, and we're at hope for broken souls. And we understand Mary's story. She starts out by this word that we get the Magnificat from because the first word in Latin is that Magnificat. My soul glorifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant, of the humble state of his servant. This simply means lowly. It doesn't mean high or elevated. It means the opposite of this. It can be social, it can be economic, and it can be significance. I think that last one is probably the most profound one that Mary is thinking about today. Certainly, she came from a lower economic status. There's nothing that can be argued with that. But significance. A teenage girl, almost certainly she was a teen, Women were married in their teens at that day. She's betrothed to be married. And from a poor family, we see that they needed money just to be able to escape and save the life of Jesus. And the Magi were a miracle from God because they brought commodities. Whether or not they have greater significance, these were easily transferred into money. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh were commodities. And they did not have the money to escape and spend a year in Egypt without it. And yet, what could she do? Sometimes we feel held down by our situations. And I don't think she thought that she would amount to much. But boy, did she. And we see here at the very beginning, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. And we still do. And we're still talking about her today. And we're talking about her faithfulness and the fact that we chose, that God chose her to carry the Messiah. And it's the very humility that she had, the humbleness, that qualified her. You see, somebody who thought they were a great candidate for this would not have been chosen. It's a fact that she saw herself as simple and plain, as sinful in need of a Savior. Indeed, she would carry the Savior in her own womb. And so the story of Mary is that she was humble and that humility is the opposite of pride. And remember, the very first sin was a sin of pride. Has God really told you? And do you want? Satan was appealing to Adam and Eve's pride. And so humility is the way that we receive the gospel. If you notice that the gospel for some people is so easy to accept and for others it's so hard Because at first, we have to admit that we need it. How many people want to admit that they need to be rescued? Now, if you're overboard in the ocean, you're pretty easy to say, I need help. But so many of us do not want to admit that we need something spiritually. Mary was humble in all ways. She recognized her need for God, and that is what qualified her to be used by God. Now, none of us will be used in the way Mary was, but we all can be used in profound ways and all of our lives can have significance if we follow Mary's lead 
and come humbly before God and believe that we may not be great, but God in us can do anything. Our first point is to look at Mary's God. And we'll look at the four words other than the word God, which is the fifth one, that she uses in her song. And by the way, her song, some people wondered, did this spontaneously come of the Holy Spirit or was she working on this as she traveled to visit with Elizabeth? The Bible doesn't tell. You can make up your own mind. We just don't know. But it is something that she composed either right then or she prepared well. It shows a hand that shows the words really well, but the Holy Spirit can choose things well. So I'm not sure which one it is. But she starts out, my soul glorifies the Lord. Deep within myself, I glorify the Lord. Um, I still remember the slave auctions, not politically correct, that we had in high school where we would be auctioned off for eight to 10 hours of work for the highest bidder. And you would list your skills. Man, I wished I would list secretarial skills. I had those, by the way, but I listed manual labor, and so I got things like digging fence posts in the Rocky Mountains, and not with anything that goes, vroom, or, you know, vroom, but with something that goes, <laughs> but I remember those things. When somebody bought their services, you did what they said. And it was aptly entitled a slave auction because I did not think I was signing up for fence pole digging or rearranging somebody's garage at one time that was filled with steel. Notice Mary says here, Lord, my soul glorifies the Lord. The first sense we get from Lord is master one that we owe obeyance to, one that we bow before, one that we come and get our marching orders from. Is that not true? We come to somebody, you just don't go up to your spouse and say, my Lord, right? Unless you're ready for some work. And so we see that it is someone that they would serve and we would come and bring ourselves and set us ourselves before them. Now with Mary, let's just think a little bit about this because Mary was a humble servant. She said, God, whatever you want, I'll serve you. And she said, you're going to become pregnant without being married. Oh yeah, fun. It's going to be of the Holy Spirit. Ooh, that's pretty cool, but you're going to tell everybody else about this too? Hmm. God didn't immediately even tell Joseph. And her faithfulness to the Lord, in her mind, meant that she may have lost the man she loved. Do you understand her faithfulness to God? That she was ready to have Joseph walk away to be able to serve God. And so we see her calling God Lord. And this is the way we come before God, recognizing that his will for our lives is better for ours, even though he'll call us to do things we would not have chosen. It also is hearkening back to that word in the Old Testament for the name of the Lord, Yahweh, translated in like the King James as Jehovah, which we know is wrong, by the way. 
which I always chuckle because I've led a few Jehovah's Witnesses to Christ. I had the privilege to do that. But Jehovah was the way they took the words from Lord and combined it with the name of God so that the Jews in the Middle Ages were superstitious so you wouldn't accidentally say the name of God because then you would violate one of the Ten Commandments, they thought. They were very superstitious. And so we know that the name of God only has two syllables, like Yahweh or something like that. And so Jehovah is half Lord and half Yahweh. And by the way, the Jehovah's Witnesses build their foundation upon the fact that this is the name of God, which it actually isn't. And uh, I use that and a few other things to lead one of their bishops out of the faith. And uh, it is just a very important thing to realize that God is Lord and that is more important than all of these other things. Yahweh. So when we say Lord here, you know 6,000 times the Greek translation of the Old Testament uses this very same word to translate the word Yahweh. In your Bibles, by the way, now it's almost always all capitals, L-O-R-D, when you see that. That's different from the Hebrew word um, Adonai for Lord. And so when you see Lord with one capital and the rest small, then you know you're talking about master. But when we say Yahweh, this is a play on the word to exist or to be. Hayah, Yahweh, the existing one, the ever existing one. And this is the way God revealed himself to Moses and even before that to others. And so when we're dealing with this, we're talking about the creator. And so she was revealing herself and saying, I am worshiping the creator whom I submit to. So that is the God that she was reaching out to. The second phrase or name she gives to God is Savior. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Now this is very telling because they would receive the promise that they would call the name of the baby Jesus, which means Savior. Joshua means Savior, Yeshua in Hebrew. Jesus in Greek, Jesus here. It's all the same word, just different um, languages it's in. And so you're going to call him Joshua. You call him Jesus. You're going to call him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. You're going to call him Savior. And so every time Jesus' name was used, even by his detractors, they were having to use the name Savior. Isn't that ironic? Even the people that would put him on the cross and try him would have to try him as Joshua, as Savior. And so this is the one who rescues. It was a number of years ago, I was in Rocky Mountain National Park. We, I was with a youth group. We were going tubing. It was a nice hill there. A couple... Four college-age students had a toboggan. They didn't think the hill that they had set up in the park was tough enough for a toboggan, so they went to the other side of this scenic thing. You've seen the picture many times of Bear Lake. It's got Long's Peak in the background. So they went on the other side where there's a much steeper hill, and then about a 10-foot drop straight down onto the ice. And we looked at what they're doing and said, what are they going to do? They're going to kill themselves. We didn't know what we were talking about at the time. But we watched them from a quarter mile away trudge up the snow 
higher, 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 hop on this toboggan, and then go down a 45-degree angle that then all of a sudden goes straight down into the ice that was bare at the bottom. And they came down, and a loud crack echoed across the mountain lake. And we said, oh, they broke their toboggan. And we went running over there to see what had happened. Um, I was an athlete at that time. I was the first one to show up there. And as soon as I got there, I assessed the situation. And being trained in first aid, I just said, don't touch anyone. They said, why? The toboggan isn't broken, I said. One of the guys had broken his back in 60-some places. Even though I was just a teenager, I knew what to do, and so I was ordering men around, stuff like that. You do this, you do that, get this. We got him out there. We got somebody with a Suburban bag, put it in. We went into where, I told them where the Rocky Mountain Rescue Station was. They went in there, they broke the call box, they got the helicopter, and life lifted him out of there, and he survived for three months, sadly. But you see, when people come around, it's to rescue, right? And rescuing physically, is important, but there's so much more important ways to rescue than to rescue somebody's physical life. These people that have physical conditions have to understand that this is God, my savior. He is the one that saves our soul. He's the one that deals with our sin. He's the one that deals with our destiny. And yes, Jesus showed that he had the power to heal the sick. And every type of disease he healed. The ones that would make you unclean like leprosy. He even grew back arms. This was no charlatan. But he was really here not to heal the sick physically. But to rescue those who are spiritually lost. And she referred to him in God my Savior. And so Mary was going to carry the one who would rescue her from her sin. And she even recognized that. This is similar. We see it in other places in Scripture. Habakkuk 3.18, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord and will be joyful in God my Savior. She must be quoting from one of these, Psalm 35, 9, Then my soul will rejoice in the Lord, exulting in his salvation or his saving. 1 Samuel 2.1, and Hannah prayed and said, my heart exalts in the Lord, my strength is exalted in the Lord, my mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in my Savior. And so Mary was rejoicing in the one that God was sending as he had promised to rescue us and that she was a part of it, of bringing this promised Messiah and Savior into the world. She also celebrated him as mighty, for the mighty one has done great things for me. The mighty one has done great things for me. I may have mentioned this before, but my best friend, when he made his first million, built this big house, and he talked to the people that were doing the earth moving on this big site uh, right on the foothills, so they had to move a lot of things to level a spot, when one of the tires had to be taken off to leave it so he could build a sandbox. Okay, this was an earth mover. When it laid on the side, it was four feet tall. 
just like this. It was like six or eight feet across. And so he decided he would cut it in half. Well, the thing was six inches thick and steel bands in it. Rubber. He had nothing that would cut through this. So he figured that he would dig a pit and we would drag it to the pit and then he'd fill it with sand. So he'd sink it down in the ground. Do you know he invited all of us and six, five of his strong friends, and we all got on that, and we tried to push it, and it almost gave me a hernia, and we could not budge it. We were all 19 and 20 years old, and we could not move it. So we got a hook and a chain because we could not get under it to put a chain around it because it was so heavy. We later found out it weighed almost two tons. It wasn't Google back then. We couldn't have looked it up. And we started to pull the bumper off Mike's truck, trying to drag it. Do you realize we didn't realize it weighed more than Mike's truck, the tire? Powerful. He had to hire one of those big trucks with the beds that tilt back that haul it up and take it away. So his free tire for his sandbox cost him almost $500. (laughs) Sometimes we realize we're not as capable as we think. But God is capable. And when you think you're strong and you run into something that's stronger than you, nothing is beyond God. And so she's reaching out and she was not focusing on what she could not do. She was focusing that God can do all things. For the mighty one has done great things. Great things is unnecessary. It's a bit poetic and redundant. He's already been called mighty. Of course, he's going to do great things. But he has done a great thing because he has involved her in the story of the promises of the prophets that she had read about and heard about. And so we need to have the same attitude as Mary is counting the great things. Some people would have been focusing on the burden they bore by following God's calling. Do you understand this? Mary was called to do something very difficult. I think I would have been focused on, oh man, give me strength, God. I think that's the best I could have gotten to. And she's praising God, thank you for the great things you've done for me. Why is it they often look at God's calling as a burden instead of a great thing that he has done? Is that not an incredible attitude? And do we start to realize why God chose this humble lady? To bear the Messiah. And finally, in this part, God is holy. Not only is he holy, we are told in her song that holy is his name. And name is a stronger thing. If you say holy is his name, then you are saying he is the epitome of this. By definition, we could define holiness by this. God is holiness. When I was 11 years old, we moved to Colorado. That first summer, we did what all the tourists would do. We went panning for gold. Uh, You know, you just drive up any canyon and you pull over and there's somebody saying pan for gold. And, you know, you, you rent uh, whatever it's called, pan, hard word, gold pan. Yeah, I know, a little over my head. You rent the pan and you get a lesson 
and you go there and I, w- I was amazed because, you know, there wasn't a lot, but I saw this gold dust and I worked really hard to get out that gold dust and I had some gold dust that I could see in my hand. It was really pretty, stuff like that, very nice. It's like that, six bucks. Whoo. And, you know, all that other stuff was just junk. Quartz, you know, and stuff like that and everything. We'd throw all that away. But the gold you took off, this is what holy really means in the Hebrew, set apart, pulled aside, okay? By the way, just to tell you, my dad paid 10 bucks for the rental of the pan in the lesson. <laughs> but I got six bucks of gold that I took home with me. Most people got nothing. But set apart, just like we would separate the gold out and say, that's a value. That's a value. God is different. God is special. And that's why it's so important when we're told that Jesus, because of him, we are declared holy. Because we receive his holiness. And we're declared special like the gold that we're going through. Save that part. Bill, that one's mine. I'm taking him. I'm keeping him. And those who call on the Lord are holy because God is holy. The only one truly himself is holy. You know, I have a toothbrush in my garage. I say, why do you have a toothbrush in your garage? So you can brush your teeth or you'd like that? No, I use it to clean my car battery terminals. You know, you sprinkle on the baking, you know, the soda and spray a little water on there and then crush up like that. You know, I have never, ever been tempted of using that toothbrush again to brush my teeth because it is no longer holy. (laughs) It is no longer set apart. If it's set apart, it's for cleaning batteries. But you know, God is in the business of cleaning things that have been dirtied. And Mary knew she was not holy, but this is the holy one and he was on a mission to bring us holiness. And even because of God, things that have been used not the way they were intended can be brought back into place of specialness because of Jesus. And then she talks also about God's mission in sending Jesus. His mercy extends to those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. The first point is notice there is a path to mercy and to power. We talk about both mercy or forgiveness, and we talk about power, but these things are available to those who fear him. Now, fear is not just trembling. It is also respect. It is recognition of who God is and who we are. Recognizing that he is holy and I am not, that is to fear God. Recognize that he is the creator and I am the created. And so if we want the mercy and power of God, there is a path there, but it does not flow to everyone. It flowed to Mary because she saw her place and she reached out to God. And so there is a path to those who like her, humble themselves and recognize their need. I was a security guard during seminary and I worked just for a few days, maybe a couple weeks at the most, at a mall and 
North Chicago area. And uh, I was working overnight into the morning where people were setting up, and one of the new kiosk ladies made smoothies and things like that, and she was trying to get her name out there so people would come to her stand, so she's giving away free that morning raspberry smoothies. Man, I like raspberries. I like smoothies. Put them together, pretty good. She put a little chocolate in there with me. Ooh, I was in heaven. I was walking around, you know, doing the last of the rounds and stuff like that, giving her free advertising because I said, this stuff is good. And a couple other people are doing that. Another lady was setting up the kiosk said, Bill, where did you get that? You're the third person gone by with that yet. It's free. It's Linda that's starting up the kiosk over there. Oh, no, I would take nothing from Linda. You like raspberries, don't you? You know, she did not have one because she didn't like Linda. Isn't that interesting? There's some people who have a problem with God or a problem admitting that they're needy. I know this is an independent world and we're raised to be independent. That's a good thing. It's a lot better than being a leech. But we have to recognize what we can do and what we can't do. We have to make sure we don't miss out because we're holding something in our hearts. God loves us and he has given an opportunity. The path is for those who come before God and ask for it. We also see the reversal of fortunes. This is our last point. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. As soon as I read this, I remember Nebuchadnezzar and him eating grass like a donkey. You know, I, yes, God has done these things. We read the stories in scripture. He was so great, and he looked out, look what my hand has done. And God had given it to him, and then God said, oh yeah, let me show you something. But I will tell you that not always do the wicked get what they deserve in this life. Sometimes they thrive. If you define thriving as winning, if you define thriving as being happy in your most inward parts, they never get that. Because that can only come with goodness and with healthy relationships. Remember Proverbs 9, 17 through 18? Stolen water is sweet. Food eaten in secret is delicious. Now, come on. How many of you are hidden from the kit? No, we're not going to (laughs) go. Stolen water is sweet. Food eaten in secret is delicious. In other words, not sharing. But little do they know that the dead are there and her guests are deep in the realm of the dead. In other words, everything good is for sharing, not for taking. You don't realize that when you win, you lose because you're alone, hoarding it. That God has made it so that every good thing is made to be shared. Every good thing. And as soon as you go, ha, 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 you don't have any, you've already lost the game. Reversal of fortunes. I want my fortunes to be reversed on that last day, whether they are in this life or not. When God says to me, Bill, I have declared you righteous. Come with me. So let us be people that receive Jesus 
and then walk in submission to him. Here's our application suggestions. Number one, Mary did this. Some of you will like this. Some of this you will roll your eyes. That's fine. Write a poem or a prayer listing the reasons why you're rejoicing in God. This is the type of thing I do often. Occasionally even write a poem to my wife. Not nearly as often as I should because it makes her smile. But write a prayer or a poem listing the reasons why you're rejoicing in God. It's a good thing to summarize and take note and to count your blessings. Number two, compare your problems against God's greatness. This one who is Lord and Savior, mighty and holy. Compare your problems against the one you're relying on and see if your problems don't shrink a bit. And then trust God and entrust these things to him and pour out your needs to him. Third suggestion, take someone, tell someone of the great things that God has done in your life. Once you make this list, it's made to be shared. We need to tell our stories, our positive stories. Sometimes it seems like we only grumble to one another. Let us tell our blessings that God has given. This is something I'm so happy that God has done in my life. You can tell that to someone who doesn't believe or someone who does, but let us tell the stories as she did to Elizabeth. Fourth, Mary's problem became her greatest blessing. (laughs) She became pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Tell God that you are willing to be blessed in any way he chooses, even if it comes with consequences in this life. Willing to do this one? That you're willing to be blessed any way he chooses because you trust him to bring it out for good in the end.